This is P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. I'm back. Yes, a long absence, um, but we're happy to have you in yes. good health and good spirits. Well, yeah, as good a health as, we've, as we uh, can muster at the moment. I was gone, obviously, <laughs> for two weeks. I think I talked about this on the podcast before I yes. left that I was going to Berlin to run the Berlin Marathon, which was great um yay ha- have you ever been to berlin no no i've never it's made a it very way. strange city. <laughs> it's very strange it's like very punky like grunge like graffiti everywhere kind of a vibe but it's also really bizarre history because it was like uh you know like wilhelm the whatever like german prussian prince person was there and there were all these palaces then it got taken over. Then it got bombed during World War One, so it was basically all destroyed. Then um, World War Two happened. It was taken over by the Nazis. Then it was destroyed again after that. Then the Russians take it over, and during the Cold War, it's like hat. You know, they got the Berlin Wall there. They have all of these buildings that look like they're old buildings, but they're mm-hmm. actually just buildings that the Russians like built to look like <laughs> they were. Um, so, anyways, it's a weird city. Um, I ran through it. It was great. After that, I started, I went to Copenhagen, started feeling a little sick. Um, turned out that then I got very sick. So when I landed in Paris, I basically couldn't do anything. I was locked in a hostel for like six days. And Mm. the only place I went was a grocery store to get applesauce. My like throat (laughs) was swollen shut. I'm fairly certain that I had mono. Hey. Um, (laughs) You know, my throat is still like on the yeah, on the I'm return. Um, but yes, better, much better. I I was terrified that I, that the trip back to New York from Paris was going to be like the most miserable experience of my entire life. But it was not horrid, aside from the <laughs> fact that the Air Portugal movie selection was mm. disastrous. Oh, they had no. like ninety some movies, and I had seen like fifty some of them. That's not and their fault. Right, but then like of the of the like ones that I had, like they were just so many bad movies. Like even the <laughs> ones I'd seen were bad. The ones that I hadn't seen, I was like, this was bad. What? I ended no up watching, Halloween. I mean, look, you wish that you watched Hubie <laughs> Halloween. I ended up watching Goodfellas because it was one of the. They had this selection that was like that was like the greatest films of all time, and there was ten movies in it, and one of them was Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> One, I mean, it was like clearly like anything at all prestigious, but one of them was Goodfellas. So I watched that because I'd never seen it before. Then I watched some weird ass Anna Kendrick movie called Table 19 about all of these people at a wedding that was bad. Then I watched some like weird version of Pinocchio from last year that I had never heard of, but was like Oscar nominated for costume design or something. I, it, also not great. It was a rough go. But that anyways, is, that's unfortunate. You I'm know, back. I feel like 
I feel like people either go to Paris and love it or they have the worst experience of their life there. Like there's no middle ground. <laughs> like I, I loved it. But one of my friends was like, that's the trashiest city I've ever been to. It's so dirty. I hated it. It was awful. I'm never going there again. And I was so confused. But now it seems like there's a pattern where you either you either love it and live it or you <laughs> loathe it and never want to revisit it. Well, so I mean, I didn't really get to do anything. So I'm definitely yeah. going to be going back at some point. But the last day I was there, I was feeling like enough better that I got up and walked around. And I don't know if you've been to Copenhagen, but it is like the most beautiful city in mm-hmm. the world like it's mm-hmm. so gorgeous and I was sort of like after walking around Copenhagen for you know however many days and then walking around Paris I was like okay like <laughs> this is nice and maybe it's just that I'm sick but I'm like this really is not doing it for me in the way that I thought it was going to so yeah, I'll be excited to revisit and see if I like it more with fresh eyes but yeah. <laughs> I wasn't in my initial experience I was not necessarily like blown away like I was with London or Copenhagen okay well while you were gone you missed this whole like um I don't know Twitter conversation New York Times um publishing industry conversation thing happening so did you catch up on the bad art friend story I have no idea what this is (laughs) Okay, well, it's a New York Times story that went viral. Well, not story, a report that went viral, an article that um, did this really convoluted twist after twist story about these two women who were in a writing group at the time, like, you know, like try trying to be writers, literary author type things. One of the women is white and she created a Facebook group for her, what she called her close friends. And she invited part of this writing group as she went on this journey to donate a kidney. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like family friend. I don't remember the term for it, but she was just like, I decided that since I had never, (laughs) she, she just had this story about how she wanted to give a kidney and she wanted to be sure that people knew that she was doing this and like giving it. And you know, that's the whole thing. But Come to find out years later, this woman who had been in the writing group, who is an Asian American, wrote a story about a woman professing her own importance after giving, after donating a kidney. (laughs) And so the white woman, the OG kidney donator was like, was this inspired by me? Like, are you dragging me? Like, is this, this seems like you're plagiarizing my experience for your story. And she's like, Oh, it wasn't directly inspired by you, but sure, that had, I mean, I guess it was an interesting concept, but my story is completely different and there's no, I didn't even know, like I didn't even engage with this at the time. So it's not anything. The white woman decides that she call, she calls her a bad art friend and is like, you, you did, you stole my story and now you're getting, you're getting published for this. Like your short story is getting picked up for this um, literary conference somewhere and it's based on my truth and you're gaslighting me by saying it isn't. And then the Asian American writer is like, you're allowed to find truth and then create art from it. But it doesn't mean I plagiarized you, which is one chapter of this of this saga. Then the white lady <laughs> decides to go after her because, I mean, the best part of this whole thing is that the reason she started to realize obsess over this Asian American writer is that she didn't originally like her post. And so she DM'd her and was like, did you see I donated a kidney? I'm, 
I'm curious why you didn't like respond to my post about it. <laughs> so beware white women seeking validation because she ends up suing this woman and saying like, yes, it is plagiarism. And through the the series of happenings after that, like this Asian American story is like the conference decides not to pursue it because there's too much drama around it. And then there's like a court ordered subpoena on her, like, um, her private like DMs or what's the what's the chat her private chat with other writers in this group where they're just bashing on the white girl's <laughs> kidney donor and being like that is crazy that she's doing this the way she's like seeking validation for it is insane like that letter she wrote to her kidney donee is just like wild like and the Asian American is quoted as saying like yes that letter is so perfect I'm gonna use it in this in this story I wrote and so then it becomes this like oh my gosh is it is it her is this now her admitting that she did plagiarize like the original draft of the story did have her the original letter word for word in the text and she changed it a few things once it became popular and once it was picked up for this publication and so she knew that there was a chance that she'd be a a charge with plagiarism so she made the changes and so then it becomes this like you know sort of she said she said and they both have truth to it but who's the worst for it and like is is it bad to steal art from real life is it wrong for is there a racial element to this like everyone on twitter was losing their minds like discussing the the kidney donation part the the where can you find art part and then the racial tension of this white woman weaponizing her power over a i mean to really silence this woman who who went out and made something from her story even though the original woman could have done that if she had wanted as well, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very interesting. Well, and I spent days just watching this happen on Twitter. I mean, it is fascinating. This um, sort of conundrum that it has appeared in various forms. And I feel like we've talked about it on the podcast of like, who gets to tell whose story mm-hmm. because on one hand, obviously fiction is inspired by all kinds of real life events and you are sort of like taking a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Sometimes there are things that happen to you. Sometimes there are things that happen to other people. Like uh, you're telling things that aren't um, your own. But then at the same time, uh, we've seen, you know, it's like if you're a white woman and all of a sudden you're writing a story about, you know, like a black refugee from mm-hmm. wherever. It's like, okay, well, maybe you're not the person who should be telling this story, even though, like, technically it's fiction and you're, it's within your right to do so. Like, maybe you're not telling it quite as authentically. So it is weird for in this situation where it's sort of like, okay, this... Asian woman is kind of stealing like this white woman's story. (laughs) But then uh, it's like, okay, I don't think that, I think that she's fine in writing a story about this crazy person who's in your writing group and using her as a character, but then to deny it and then to have it all. Yeah. It's like, uh I don't know. (laughs) Can you imagine your chats getting subpoenaed for, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just the things I've said about coworkers, friends, family, like this is pretty wild. I, and it's like, 
And I don't think it means that. Like, yes, it revealed that she did know about this letter, even though she originally denied knowing it. And so that is like, like it's it's like vindicating, right, for this original woman who felt gaslighted by it, who was like, you had to have seen this. It's too real to my experience. Like, how can you deny it? And kind of digging her heels in on that. But it's unfortunate that that woman couldn't get some perspective and be like, okay, maybe she mishandled her interactions with me, but that doesn't mean that her story isn't her story at this point. Like that the woman didn't create a piece of art that is her art now and doesn't, I don't have control over how that art gets distributed. Well, legally, I'm sort of confused as to what the grounds are because, yeah, I mean, it's obviously not... Um, you know, it's like, it's a fictionalized version of whatever happened. So it's not like she can, uh, and, and the woman wrote the story herself. So it's not like you can say, Oh, it's plagiarism and that the white woman wrote the story. And then the Asian woman copied the exact thing. It's she's basing it on real life, but it's like her own writing. So I guess maybe you could sue her for like (laughs) libel or something. If you think that she's like depicting her in a really negative light. But I think even in that situation it's really tricky to prove that like oh yeah uh, you know that it's like actually is negatively affecting anybody and yeah, yeah I, don't I can't know. remember like what the what the terms were but what what's also interesting about the piece is that the new york times article about it was written by this man and it's a very compelling article like it's you know very well written very interesting there's a lot of like snide comments in there that are like reminding us how low stakes this is as far as like the literary publishing circle goes, mm-hmm. right? Like these aren't, these aren't big deals that are being um, destroyed, but it is their, it is their livelihood still. And so I think that was a, a fun part. And just the fact that now that piece overshot by this man overshadows the two women. And it's just like a very interesting tangled web. So if you if it sounds at all interesting to you, I do recommend the article because it was like a very entertaining read on a on a slow Wednesday afternoon. So um, lots of hot takes on Twitter and the interwebs to parse out as well. Um, but really the key message is one, if you want to do a good deed, just do it. Don't <laughs> you don't need to create a Facebook group to celebrate yourself. And also don't don't follow up on who doesn't like your posts. You know, it's just it just oh, leads yeah. to a dark No, that's always <laughs> always a bad choice. Always yeah. a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, um but what stories did you see this week? Oh my gosh, this week was a was a low <laughs> a low week. Um Kim Kardashian did host SNL though. Did you yes. watch this at all or follow this story at all? I yeah, I saw like a few pieces of it. Like I saw the opening monologue. I watched the Bachelor skit. Um like her court skit. I I guess I, I'm curious your take cuz I was sort of like I mean it wasn't bad but I don't understand why people are pretending it's like the best thing to ever happen on SNL. I guess like the bar's low at this point, so (laughs) it hasn't been a good few years for them. Well, I mean, yeah, SNL is rough. (laughs) They added a whole bunch. I'm just very confused as to what they're doing over there because they added a whole bunch of new cast members. I mean, now they're up to like 20 some. It's it's just like, what is... Uh, like what is happening what they have so many cameos from different famous like yes, I, it's just like, a lot was it the season premiere 
No, I think oh, really? Owen Wilson was... premiered oh, okay. the week there before. There were just so many guest stars, I was surprised. But I think the thing with Kim Kardashian was that when they announced that she was going to be a host, everybody was like ripping her to shreds like, oh, my gosh, why would you bring her on? She's not funny. She's not good at anything. She has no (laughs) talent. She's not even promoting anything. Like, why would you have her on there? Yes. And so everybody went in, I think thinking that she was going to be a disaster Mm. and that they would just all get to sit around and make fun of her. And instead she came out and did what I thought was a fairly good job, especially when you compare what she did to what a lot of hosts end up doing. It's (laughs) like, it's like she went out there and she gave a full, like four minute long monologue. Like granted, she did not write any of it and she's just (laughs) a reading off a cue card, but most celebrities don't even do a monologue. You know, they come out and some kind of, well, it's like, it's some kind of like question with the audience Uh, or like, or it's a weird musical number or something. It's like Like most most of the of the hosts aren't like strong enough or confident enough to stand on a stage for five minutes and just like tell jokes. So right. usually they're sort of like coddled in some way by the cast adding something. There's some kind of gimmick. Right. So usually only like um, comedians, comedians do like the full monologue. So for Kim to come out there and stand there and do lots of, you know, fairly, uh, Uh, cutting jokes about her family and her life and to just like read it all i was like okay well this is mildly impressive and then she wasn't half bad in the skits skits either so yeah i was like good for her for for agreeing to do this and then like being so game to go for it yeah good for her honestly risk so much in doing it but um Mm -hmm. (laughs) no yeah i i was like i I guess I was sent like the bachelor skit in particular and be like, Oh gee, this is so funny, but it wasn't funny to me. Like it wasn't funny, but I don't blame Kim Kardashian for it not being funny. You know what I mean? So oh, I'm like, yeah. good for her. Like she did it, but it still wasn't like a remarkable <laughs> show to me. Oh yeah. I mean the show, it's not like laugh rolled around <laughs> yeah. on the floor. So all together, I'm just like, yeah it's like she did it and i'm uh, happy for her you know she she proved those haters wrong yet again you know uh so the the moral of the story is never underestimate the kardashians like (laughs) like for a group of people who really have no distinguishable talent they somehow manage to being likable is a talent like i think being having charisma and being able to carry a room uh, audience's story is a talent. So it's like, yeah, but I don't even know how much like charisma they have. I mean, they do, but it's like, I mean, (laughs) mean, clearly they charm people. They're very, they're very, yeah. Charismatic. I mean, especially Kim, I think Kim has carried the family, like however you want to cut it, like whoever you think is more popular now, Kim Kardashian really elevated them and helped them each find their yes. path, I think. Well, and I think she she's always the most famous. Yes, like, yeah. even the fact that the others are famous. It's like, no, Kim is the... <laughs> yeah. So, I think... I mean, I have my problems with the entire family and the industry they've created. Um, but I do think it's it's silly for us to pretend that there was nothing there from the beginning, even. Because I think, you know she has staying power because there is this sort of like 
intangible <laughs> something to it, it, she seems like even for me who doesn't like her I can still see why I'd spend an evening with her and walk away being like oh wow she's actually like like charming nice whatever it is like there's something about it that seems like yeah there's just a, a charisma yeah but there's a lot of people who have <laughs> some kind of charisma that are not the Kardashians yeah and for yeah. her having charisma I mean like and Chloe maybe like Kylie and Kendall are bringing nothing to the table, <laughs> charisma-wise, and you know. Oh man, yeah. Well, I saw a funny story. Um, got a kick out of it. Brought it back to one of our old favorites, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I don't know why he's in the news currently, but he was being interviewed, and he was asked about Cats, the movie, and he said it was an absolute travesty that watching it like hurt his feelings so deeply. He hated it. He hated cats so much that he went out and bought a dog. Like he was like, I need, <laughs> I need a change. Like I, he was like, I need this emotional support animal. I don't know what, but when he got on, he was like going on a flight or something. They're like, oh, sir, like, sorry, we really can't have you have this pet. He's like, no, he's an emotional support animal. And they're like, well, do you have documentation? And I don't know if this is true or just a story he shared, but he said that, um, uh yes just see what hollywood did to my musical cats and then they approved it with a note saying no doctor's report required <laughs> i mean it's pretty entertaining <laughs> it was yeah it was so bad that the creator is just so traumatized by it that he's abandoned all feline feelings so well i do i was reading a story about uh, the, the Judy Dench, I think, is on also doing interviews for something or another, and how she went on about how bad she looks in cats and how, <laughs> you know, it's like they were all wearing green, they were all in green screen or whatever. So, like, nobody had right, really you didn't understood. know. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, you know, we were forced to do all of this press for this movie, having never seen it because it took so long for them to, you know, like get the, um, you know, CG this, done. Yeah. They, were, they were like <laughs> fixing it like the day of. And then she said, like, I saw the movie or clips of it. She's like, I looked terrible. Like it <laughs> was so bad. And I would never have signed up for it if this is what I thought I would look like. So I do like this phenomenon of all of these actors sort of had to toe the line when it was coming out. And now yeah. they're like, this was the worst thing I've ever been a part of. Like, <laughs> has Taylor Swift doubled back on this yet at all? I think she made a joke about it. Like, about how bad it was. But I don't remember the exact language. I think she was more like it was a fun experience. But yeah, that's pretty pretty wild how it turned out. <laughs> hmm. when it, <sighs> she's up to 9 million things currently. It's a, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, just... was going to spare you the details. Um, but yeah, Red's bounced back to November 12th now instead of November 19th. Probably because of the other big story this week, which is Adele coming back. The theory yes. is that Taylor Swift, that Adele's album is going to come out that week in November. It hasn't been um, confirmed or anything yet, but that is the theory for why Taylor would push hers back earlier is so that there wouldn't be any like bad blood or com competition there. Not, not like just so that it was like Adele had her moment type thing. Um, so I don't know if that's when well, it'll be I coming. Mean, I think it's probably a lot more like, uh, or so red has its moment <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i think adele will have her too. moment either way 
I think the, a re-release of an album that's been out for five years is yeah. gonna take less precedence than. Well, Adele's, I mean, Fearless you know? is still like number one, so it's like it, it's still a moment. But yeah, like there's no need to. Uh, yes, I think it's definitely obviously fair that Taylor probably wanted to be sure that there wasn't anything as big as Adele overshadowing something that she's been promoting for like four months at this point. Um, but that is unconfirmed even though Adele did announce that her her first single after her hiatus is going to be released this Thursday? This week? Friday, this, I think. This Friday? Yeah. Yeah. So well, Adele is back. She's released like snippets of it already. I'm like, this is annoying. Just release the, <laughs> just, just release the, the whole album. Uh, just like release the it's whole It's been song. one week of promotions, Matt. <laughs> right, but I'm like, why are you... Like, I don't understand... It's frustrating to me when people like release part of a song and you're mm. like, okay, well, like I like this, but like why? Like I just don't understand that version of. So the you'd hype. be less, you'd be less frustrated if she just announced a song is coming. But since you heard like a one minute clip, it's like, well, why not just fully commit yeah. and give us the three minutes? Yeah, right. It's not like the three minute version is that much different than the right. one minute version. Okay, it's just now that. like I can't. Now it's like sort of half stuck in my head, but I can't listen to it anywhere. <laughs> Oh, the struggle is real. Um, did you read any of the... She was on British Vogue and Vogue this week. Did you... Are you like an Adele stan or just like a casual fan? I'll like say an this. Appreciator? I, going back to SNL, I saw Adele perform live mm. at SNL for her last album. And it was mesmerizing to watch her... Like she, she, stand, she was like performing Hello and right. I can't remember what the other song was. But she's just standing there like doing nothing. And like this sound is like erupting out of her. It was so incredible. And you're in such a small room that it's like, you know, you're not even hearing like the speakers or whatever. You're just hearing like her singing. Um, So I was very impressed by that. And I've liked Adele since her first album. Like, I mean, I think her music is good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't like stand her in the same way that I do other people. And her songs aren't really like, necessarily my uh like genre but yeah. i do like them um i'm excited for the new album yeah the um the the vogue reports that it's more like an eclectic sound like obviously still very adele she's not like doing trap music or something but that she um she did a couple songs with max martin who's very you know known for his pop stuff um and so supposedly there's some more like um play i don't know the term for it but some different vibes coming so i'm excited to hear how it goes i'm i'm definitely haven't been like waiting on bated breath for adele's new stuff like a lot of people have but i'm uh, i'll be excited if that if that follows uh taylor swift on november 19th so (laughs) you heard it first i was much more excited for Casey musgraves and for lil nas x (laughs) i'll be excited whenever beyonce's new album comes out yeah but happy for her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, shall we get into love it or hate it then? Yeah. Um, I told you about this in your absence in France, but um, a show took the world by storm on Netflix called Squid Game, which I'm sure everyone has heard of at this point. But basically, it's just... I don't even know how to explain it. But Is it sort of like a Hunger Games-y kind of thing? I think that's how a lot of people are propositioning it but it exists in the 
in the normal world, like today's contemporary environment. It's a Korean show um, that follows people who are invited to join this mysterious game playing for a huge amount of money. And very quickly they realize that like, oh, wow, like there's a lot on the line here and it's like do or die. (laughs) And so it it becomes... Don't the, isn't it that the people who lose get killed? Uh, Yeah. I mean, yes, that is how it ends up. I was trying to play it just casual in case people are avoiding any, any sort of spoilers. (laughs) Oh, I mean, isn't that the premise of the show though? Like, don't you get that right away? It was sold to me as like, oh, it's just a game where people don't know what's going to happen. But Uh-oh. it doesn't matter. Mm, <laughs> Cats out of the bag. It's been out a couple weeks. It's been number one on Netflix, like globally, for the last few, for how long it's been out. Um, obviously, trending everywhere, like TikTok, all sort of TikTok videos, like tweets, all sort of things are going viral for it. Um, a lot of, like, to the point where people are like, oh, we're creating a Squid Game competition in real life. And it's like, well, maybe you missed the point of the show there. <laughs> But um, it was very, very, very well done. Very interesting. Very entertaining. Um, It takes place over like nine episodes of varying lengths. Um, Becomes very like character focused. And I really liked it. I think it proved yet again to everyone, especially in like Hollywood, who's always, always, always saying, oh, well, you need a big name so people will come. Oh, only franchise movies like do well. Like, we don't want to put money behind like a no nothing cast show story, original idea, whatever it is. But this like just proves that this was a, I had never heard of it again until it was uh, before, until it was released on Netflix. And then almost instantly it was like on everyone's brains. Like everyone just wants to be entertained. And I think it's like a lot, I don't want to say easier, but, but Hollywood seems to make it a lot bigger deal, especially when it comes to, um, you know, having minorities representation diversity whatever it is they're always like oh well is the money there and it's like well yeah like look at this this is exploding worldwide and uh for good reason because i didn't recognize a single actor didn't know a single person i put on subtitles and i enjoyed the hell out of it so it was really fun really interesting had a lot to say about obviously capitalism and um the i mean honestly it's very korean uh specific obviously but still very entertaining and pertinent to anyone <laughs> struggling to get by in this world and uh on top of that it was just like a really entertaining and compelling show so i recommend that and i hope you will give it a chance i know it's a undertaking at this point with a nine episode arc but i i have faith that you would like it i it feels like something i would like because i do like you know survivor and that kind of thing which this feels like somewhat Mm -hmm. adjacent to yeah i mean it's always for me just like a question of (laughs) like how much time do you have for all of these shows yeah Um, (laughs) and and especially now i feel like that i'm well having to watch a bunch of stuff for work there's Mm. it's like there's certain things that just I have to like prioritize even if I don't okay, necessarily okay. want to watch them as much. <laughs> but yes, I mean, I do. I probably will watch this at some point. It's just a matter of <laughs> when and how and <laughs> why. Yeah, I just visions of you sitting down to watch it just grow, you know, further and further from reality for me. But 
It was good. So if you do find a weekend there where you're like, huh. Is it a mini series or is it a. It's set up to like, sort will of. Will there be a There's like potential season? for a second season. And okay. there probably will be at this point. But it's by no means required to have a second season. You know what do I mean? You, do you think that this will be like an Emmy contender at all? No. I'd be very no. surprised, frankly, because the Emmys are the Emmys and they're pretentious AF. But I also think um, there is something very like uh, lowbrow sounds like harsh. Like this is better than Emily is in it, Paris and Emily soapy? in Paris got <laughs> nomination. Yes. Yeah. I guess, you know, uh, never say never. It was really good. Okay. And I just remembered that Bridgerton was nominated. So, yeah, it yeah. could be. <laughs> And Bridgerton was terrible, clearly. <laughs> um, okay, well, to sort of go in the exact opposite direction oh, okay. of something that is, you know, uh, too attached to an established property, perhaps. <laughs> um, I watched The Many Saints of Newark, which is the oh, yes. um, Sopranos prequel movie. And it was fine. I mean, I love The Sopranos. This is set, like, I don't know, maybe... 20, 30 years before The Sopranos. It's about Tony growing up and his uncle and some of these figures that aren't, um, that are sort of like talked about in the show, but are dead before the show happens and Mm. sort of about what is going on in their lives in like the 60s. And the cast is really good. You know, it's um, Leslie Adam Jr., Vera Farmiga, Corey Stoll, Ray Liotta. Like it's a good cast and it's a good it's not a bad movie I guess what I have just been I was thinking about watching this is I understand the impulse of okay we loved this television show and we the television show is over we're not going to make another season of it although I mean some shows are trying that with like a Dexter kind of and (laughs) you know sex in the city and whatever but like we're not going to do that so instead we'll sort of like throw this audience a bone by making a movie And they just never seem to do that well. And it's like, in order, you're not going to watch the movie unless you've watched the show. So um, automatically, there's like a huge, like a very tiny group of people who would even go see the movie in general. And then on top of that, it's like, usually the show is wrapped up everything. So like, what is their last, like, so you either have to do like come up with a new plot for the movie, which is sort of annoying, or you have to do some kind of prequel thing. I just feel like it never really works. The only version of this that I think did a good job was the Downton Abbey movie. And that's just because like Downton Abbey is like off in its own world. What You know, it's like you could make 75 Downton Abbey movies and it's like, they're not, they're sort of just the same thing right. that's the TV show and the TV show is just the same thing <laughs> over and over and over again. So it's just like yep. an added episode <laughs> where, so it doesn't matter that it's a movie or a TV, you know, it like feels the exact same way. You're like, Oh, okay. Like here's just another, um, right. you know, dose of this like cozy world that you want to live in. But I don't know. The many States of Newark was fine. It was an okay movie. 
Um, not great. I don't think it had, I don't think, I think it's one of those things where in a month, no one will remember that this was ever a movie. <laughs> probably, um, probably by the time this episode posts. But. <laughs> truly. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be one of those things where we're doing our end of the year ranking and it's like, remember there was a, an, there was a Sopranos movie and it's like, no, but here it is rated, ranked 62 on our list <laughs> of films. So yeah well i'm i'm glad you found the time to watch it because i know you were looking forward to that one so i'm sorry it wasn't everything you hoped it was you know i was sick this weekend or well or recovering so i saw i'm already maxed out my uh three movies for the week on amc (laughs) and you know i'm just i'm catching up on all the stuff i i'm not watching dear evan hansen i feel like the the ship has sailed with that i don't <laughs> should we do a, should we do a patreon episode on it <laughs> oh my gosh you're gonna make me watch that on a patreon episode. <laughs> i haven't watched it yet either but we'll we'll see if we rally for uh for one of matt's <laughs> uh one of the shows you've had to watch for work maybe or a, a movie yes. there um, yeah we can talk about the morning show yeah. instead <laughs> um but but matt made me uh give in to one of his beloved franchises this okay, week okay beloved is a is a is a term okay. i don't know you came at me okay but yes, um I did. we'll be talking about james bond um no time to die the the long-awaited final daniel craig film on yes. thursday so excited to hear your hear your thoughts on that and all the mm-hmm. the bondness of it Yes. So we'll be back on Thursday. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Leave us a review. uh, Follow us on Patreon. All of the things. Um, Okay. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye.